Well, it is Friday. It is almost the weekend. And that means, of course, it is time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gommerson. Hello, Adam. It's great to be with you here tonight. And it's kind of interesting uh, because today we are talking about the issue of humility. And I'm experiencing a certain amount of deja vu. Would you like to fill our listeners in on this story? Um, I would, but we're out of time. So thanks (laughs) for joining us tonight. Shortest podcast in the history of the show. Hey, we'll talk to you next week when we're 60 (laughs) seconds. Uh, Um, Have a good weekend. (laughs) So we attempted, apparently, uh, a few weeks back to, to do this show on humility and I might have, I can't confirm nor deny, if I recorded over that show with another show by mistake. First time in a four-year history doing that. And then as we looked back at the show notes after I had a confession session, then we realized, oh, it's on humility. <laughs> well, how fitting. So it actually does fit as a good introductory story. But uh, <laughs> yes, so we're re-taping re- a podcast from the beginning to end for the first time in history. Now, we have had a couple times where we've started over, probably two or three times. One time where it wasn't recording, where I'm glad Adam caught it because we would have been in big That's trouble. That's right. <laughs> that was our uh, Christmas Carol podcast. So God gives us all kinds of opportunities to exercise humility. But before we dig into our topic of the day even more, let's go to Adam for our quote. And this is from Dwight L. Moody. You may have it memorized by now. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. And I just, I really like this quote because I think it, it typifies um, what this Christian life is about. It definitely speaks to what speaking for him is about. Because if you if you look at our motto, um, it's uh, speaking for him, speaking for him who spoke for me. Paul talks about in in. Philippians chapter 3 that he talks about laying hold of God in the same way that God laid hold of him. God took Paul when he was Saul, ruthless man, who was going um, against God and persecuting Christians, and he turned him around and made him one of the most bold missionaries for God in the early church. And so it's just interesting the way God can uh, change things around and 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 give you a new start, and um, Paul definitely learned the value of humility, and it's interesting, uh, as we stay on Paul a little bit, he, in the beginning of his salvation experience, he said that he was the least of all the apostles, and in the last letter that he wrote before his death, Second Timothy, he said that he was the chiefest of sinners. So it was kind of like the closer he got to God, the less worthy um, he felt to be called a Christian, and yet he still faithfully served God. So I thought that was interesting. And that's kind of the tenor of uh, D.L. Moody's quote here. And so that's why we started here. So, Adam, why don't you fill us in on the Webster's 1828 uh, definition of humility, which will be our um, uh, the basis of our discussion today. Which says, in ethics, freedom from pride and arrogance, humbleness of mind, a modest estimate of one's own worth. In theology, humility consists in lowliness of mind or a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God, self-abasement, penitence for sin, and submission to the divine will. Before honor is humility, like it says in Proverbs 15.33, or like it says in Acts 20.19, serving the Lord with all humility 
of mind. Humility is also an act of submission. And like it says in God's word, with these humilities, they satisfied the young king. All right. And uh, the one thing I really like about the Webster's 1828 is they have a lot of scripture within their definitions. I just think it gives a good uh, basis for our discussion. And uh, so as we look at this, I just think about, and I think I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, um, which interestingly enough, about a year and a half ago, a little bit more than a year and a half ago, I think we did another podcast on humility based on an article that someone had brought to my attention. So if you look through the archives, you will probably find that one, and it may be a good com- complement to what we are uh well, what we are talking about today, for some reason, I am having a hard time with the English language <laughs> during this podcast, um, but we will get through. Another another thing to keep me humble, I guess. All right. Well, just looking at this, um, we think about humility as being free from pride and arrogance, humbleness of mind, a modest estimate of oneself. And I think that one thing that I've probably said before um, and, but I, but we'll probably say again too, because it's so good that I like to think of humility as someone once said, as not necessarily thinking less of yourself, like not tearing yourself down, mm-hmm. but thinking of yourself less, just simply not spending a lot of time dwelling on yourself. A lot of times we can get bent out of shape about what we think other people think about us and we, we may wake up one day to find that they don't think about us nearly as much as we think about ourselves. And and uh, the people that care about us, you know, will be thinking about us. But if we, if we think about them in the context of the grand scheme of the world in which we live, that's not really very many people if you think about it. Even in, in our Facebook um, way of connecting, I mean, I have over 900 friends, I think, on Facebook. But there's no way to keep up with 900 people right. uh, day in and day out. You you have to narrow that circle quite a bit. So I'd probably say on on Facebook, it's probably closer to, you know, 20 or 30 people that I keep regular contact with. And then, uh, you know, drawing it into real life, actually getting together with people, it's probably more along the 10 to 15 if I'm lucky. It's not to say that there's not more people that I wouldn't appreciate getting together with. It's just kind of the reality of life that you can't um, spend time with everybody that you want to. I remember seeing a news story not too long ago about a guy who had like over a thousand friends on Facebook and he made this ambitious project that he was going to get together with each and every one of them. Um, and try to kind of set a record. I don't know if he was going to seek out Guinness World Records or not, but I just thought that was an interesting story. Um, But then it just talks about um, a deep sense of one's unworthiness in the sight of God. We talked about that a little bit with the Apostle Paul. Self-abasement, penitence for sin, and submission to the divine will. Um, And I think about this a little bit with, with... Donald Trump, at least early in his presidential campaign, uh, he has been trying to appeal to the Christian voters. But he and he says that he's a Christian, says that he's a proud Presbyterian, 
Um, but he also made the comment that he never asked forgiveness for anything in his life. And as a believer, I know that my asking forgiveness for my sins from God was, was the key turning point to my life. It was the, the impetus for being able to have a personal relationship with God. Because you can't have God solve your problems unless you first admit that there is a problem that God needs to solve and that only he can. Uh, do you have any thoughts so far, Adam? Uh, I like what you said, rewinding a little bit about um, with humbleness. It's it's thinking, you know, lowly of yourself, but not in the sense of like tearing yourself down or thinking like I'm scum, I'm worthless. I like that's whoa, that's you've gone too far. You got to call the sacket back around. Uh, but it is a way of thinking better of others than yourself. It, it's a way of humbling and saying, okay, I, I can't do things without God's help. And you said too in. Um, that verse there from First Peter where it said to really uh, not only resist the proud but also to have submission. That to me is like a huge word connected to humility because really that's what humbleness would come from it seems like. Because when you say, okay, I, I messed up, you're submitting to the fact that I screwed up or you recorded over a show. Uh, there's also you know if, if you hurt somebody – or if you realize, hey, this is my fault and you own up to it, or even just submit to God's will. It, it's all submission, and that's like really the way, if you think about it, to uh, fight pride, which is the really the enemy of humbleness. It's, it's that clash battle inside of, inside of us all. So that word submission really stood out to me. I, another illustration that I kind of have on this is there was a, a bug in my van the other day, and I don't remember if it was a bee or or a moth or what it was. But my dad was trying to get it out of the car and he opened the car and the bug seemed to be flying everywhere, but out of the car. Um, and my dad's like, it's kind of like the way we are spiritually because <laughs> God gives us the freedom to go get away from sin, but we like to stay in it a lot of times and then it can cause our death much like, if a bug doesn't want to leave you alone, you tend to want to squash it with a fly swatter or whatever else you may have on hand. Um, so I think that's just another good illustration of um, the way that we need to think about humility. And like you said, um, putting others first. And um, we talked about forgiveness of sin and, and submission to the divine will. You know, submission to God's will is, is why speaking for him exists as well. You know, when I got out of college, my first thought was, what full-time job am I going to get so that I can be bringing in, you know, thirty to $40,000 a year so that I can buy a house, so that I can get married and raise children? Now, I still want to get married and raise children and hopefully eventually buy a house, but I also realize that if I'm doing something other than what God wants me to do, He's actually going to make those things, have those things take longer than they will if I just walk with him hand in hand and try to uh, acknowledge his place in my life. And just like that, just like that, uh, you know, bug experience the freedom that comes from doing his will. You know, he made us so he has a thing or two or thousands of things <laughs> to say about the way that we should live our lives. So today for our our Bible story spotlight, uh, we're going to talk about 
King Solomon. Now, King Solomon was the son of David, and he, um, Bathsheba was promised by David that Solomon would be king. And Solomon was not the oldest son of David, but Solomon was David's choice for king. And when Solomon was made king, God came to Solomon in a dream, and he said, what is it that you want most, Solomon, from me? This story is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, if you want to look it up for yourself. And I would encourage you to do that because uh, it's important when you hear things and people say that from the Bible that you search the scriptures and, and find out if things are so. Because what I have to say isn't very important. But what God has to say is important. And that's that's what I try to bring you on the podcast is the things that God would have me to say. And so 1 Kings chapter 3 would be where you would go to find this story. So God presents this question to Solomon. And Solomon says, give me wisdom because I'm just a little child. And I don't know how to rule this great people which cannot be numbered for multitude. So imagine, Adam, if if I'm pretty sure that Solomon was somewhere around uh, your age, if I'm not mistaken. Perhaps a little older, but I know he was pretty young. And all of a sudden, he is—he's the—he's the head of one of the biggest nations in the known world, millions of people, and he's in charge. And I, you know, I know when we're growing up, you know, when I remember before I turned eighteen, I thought eighteen is going to be such a big deal because I'll finally be an adult. <laughs> yeah. And then I got to be eighteen, and the only thing that happened was I. Um, felt like a celebrity because I felt like I was signing my John Hancock on everything, <laughs> but I wasn't getting paid for it. So, you know, it just meant that I was taking responsibility for my life instead of my parents. So it wasn't all it's cracked up to be. That being said, there are some pretty cool perks to being an adult. So I don't want to discourage the kids in the audience that being an adult is a bad thing, but just enjoy your childhood while you have it because you can't go backwards. You can only go forwards. And um, just thing 37, which I am now, is not as old as it used to be. Yeah. I can tell you that <laughs> right now. So anyway, so Solomon asked God for wisdom to rule his people. And God says, Solomon, because you chose wisdom, I will give you wisdom and I'll make you so wise that no one will be wiser than you before or after you. You will be known as the most wise person that ever lived. And I will also give you fame and riches, which he could have asked for. But God said, because you didn't ask for these things, but ask for wisdom, I'll give you all three. Wow. So it was like a three for one deal. And so Solomon became one of the best known kings in the world. And um, even Jesus referred to Solomon's glory. So it was something that uh, was a lasting legacy. Unfortunately, his Fame and his wealth got to his head, and he allowed um, multiple wives to drive him away from God for a time. Um, and then it, it appears from the scriptures that we read that he came back to God as an old man and realized that he had made mistakes. And he encouraged us all, encourages us all in uh, Ecclesiastes to remember our Creator in the days of our youth. And so we can all learn from that. And then if the wisest man in the world made the mistakes that Solomon did, what makes us think that we are exempt from these mistakes? 
Any thoughts, Adam? It's kind of crazy with that last thought because I'm thinking like, boy, you know, he had the most wisdom that anyone will ever get, and he still did things he wasn't supposed to. So <laughs> it's, it's reminding me of like how close we need to really stay to God because we need him to keep us on the right track. Because if Solomon couldn't stay strong and he had the most wisdom to know what was wrong and what was right, then I'm thinking, oh, man, I need like double the wisdom and focus to stay on God in my daily life. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because there's another story in the Old Testament about Elijah and Elisha, and I believe Elijah preceded Elisha, and Elisha was his assistant. And then Elijah said, I'm going to heaven, essentially. What is it that you want from me before I leave? And he said, I want a double portion of your spirit, of the of the Holy Spirit power that you have. I want a double portion of it. Mm. And he says, if you see me go into heaven, then you will receive it. And he saw his mentor go up in a chariot of fire. And so he did receive it. And uh, he actually did a lot of the same miracles that his predecessor had done uh, because of that. And what wisdom that is to ask for something like that. When you think about all the things that you could ask and, things that we normally think of as being marks of success. They asked for these things. All right, well, we referred to these verses, or at least one of these verses a little bit earlier, but why don't you read these last two verses that we have on our uh, notes here as we wrap up our discussion on humility. Starting from Proverbs eighteen twelve. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. And then, oh, oh go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. And then from First Peter 5, 5 to wrap it up, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. All right. Well, this one, the first one is especially self-explanatory um, because remember we were talking about Solomon earlier. Yes. And he... When he was just nothing in the eyes of the people, he made a really good decision. He said, give me wisdom, Lord. And then he started getting more popular popular, and he started having more people follow him. And uh, it really caused him to get a big head. And pride uh, consumed him. And so he had to be humbled through a lot of the experiences that he went through. Um, being led through this experience of having um, several wives. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because people say, well, 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 God allowed polygamy in the Old Testament. And so why do we get bent out of shape about traditional marriage, one man, one woman for a lifetime? God never expressly condemns people for having multiple wives in the Old Testament. But I think the condemnation is the result itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at David, his kids fought like crazy with one another. And one kid from one wife killed a bunch of kids from other wives out of anger. Uh, one kid, you know, had uh, tried to have an improper relationship with his stepsister. They had a different mom, but they were both David's children. So the consequences of that action are enough to tell us through common sense, that it's not the way God would have us live. And so I think it's not always in what he does say. It's also in what he said versus what 
is left unsaid and, and like I said, the consequences of it. Um, and then our second verse, you touched on a little bit earlier with First Peter 5.5. 5, um, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, and then you all be subject to one another. I think this is a key thing. I think the the point here isn't that because I'm older than you, I can boss you around and tell you whatever right. I, I want to tell you. The point, though, is that because I am older, I might have a little more wisdom in certain areas, and you can come to me hopefully knowing that I will give you um, solid, biblically grounded advice on certain issues. Um, and I know you and I have had... Um, more serious personal conversations off the air and it's been a good uh, friendship both ways. Mm -hmm. But I, and I think, but I think even for, and perhaps even more so for the person who is being submitted to, whether it be an older uh, man to a younger man or whether it be a husband, whether it be a wife to a husband, I think the great, one of the greater things is after that, like you were talking about earlier, it says submit to one another. So as I am leading someone, whether it be a younger brother or whether it be a future wife, whatever position of leadership I am given, my goal isn't to say, guess what, I'm older, so I get to do get to tell you what to do and you have to do it. Right. My goal should be for their betterment, mm -hmm. is what is going to be better for them. And to have a mentality that says, if I am going to be a leader, it's going to be with protection in mind. And, and, and. If I love um, someone, then I want what they want more than what I want. And so I think that that is a big part of servant, humble servant leadership that needs to be brought out. And then um, he, he uses the word picture of being clothed in humility, meaning this has to be a major thrust of our day-to-day -day life. It can't just be like, oh, I'm deciding to be humble in this one instance. He wants us to put it on like a garment for it to be a regular characteristic of, uh, of my life. If I get to the end of my life and, and people can remember me as a humble person, then that's what God is, is saying is a successful life. Now, it is weird because... The very minute I start talking about being humble, I can verge very easily into pride about being humble. <laughs> um, I was actually watching a Walton's episode, believe it or not, recently where uh, the, the issue of false humility came up. And it was talking about the issue of if you have to tell people how humble you are, you cease being humble pretty quickly. Mm. So take that for what it is and... Um, I and yes, I do really like classic TV shows, but that's another podcast <laughs> which may or may not come to exist. Um, but the point being that it's this is a big issue, and I think that most sin is rooted in pride. So if we can get humility down, then we we have the opportunity on this earth to sin less. I will never be sinless as an earthly human being, but I hope to sin less as I go through this life. Um, and then just God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. So if you want God to be near you, if you want him not to resist you and to give you every good thing that he promises, then choose humility. 
Adam, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up? This was so good to talk about because, honestly, when I look at the world, I feel like this is probably one of the biggest things that's missing. And, as, you know, not to say to go on a rant that the world's so terrible and it's, it's going downhill so fast. But just in the sense of that it's something we need to be reminded of in every situation, like you said, we have to be clothed in it, not just, you know, have it hanging up on the hanger in the closet or wear a wristband of it. God's saying be immersed in humbleness. Live, breathe, be humble in all that you do. And it just makes me think just how different situations would turn out if we just all used humbleness in them. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that, Adam. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week. Uh, please make sure to give us feedback uh, with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. And we really appreciate all who listen. We appreciate any and all feedback. If there's something you would like us to discuss on a future show, um, a maybe a virtue that should be discussed on a future episode of this series, which is kind of open-ended, unlike previous series we've done, any of that stuff, you can contact us and we will be glad to feature what you ask us to on the show. Until next week, this is Andrew Gomison saying, have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.